In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the blessed month of Peona. May God begin it in goodness. And today the Gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 12. And the Gospel of today begins saying, There was one who was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that a blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And from this verse, I just want to give two quick things that we can learn. Notice that this man, he suffered from spiritual illness and physical illness. He was demon-possessed, but he was also blind and mute. And nowadays, sometimes we think with the great advances in medicine and technology, sometimes we might neglect the spiritual matters, the spiritual realm. And I think, and we, sometimes we think all our problems can be solved by science. And I think there is no medicine, or there is no pharma company that has a medicine that can cast out demons. There is no medicine that can cast out demons except through the church. The medicine is the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the only medicine that can heal and cast out demons. And that's why the Lord in the Gospel of today, He said, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Unless he first binds the strong man. And as you know, the strong man He's referring to is the devil. The strong man is the devil who abides in the house. And He's saying, How can you cast out the strong man, unless you first bind him. The only person that can bind him is God. God is the only one who has authority to cast out devils. The Lord is saying He is stronger than the strong man. He can bind him. Because Jesus is the true physician of our souls and He can heal us spiritually and physically. And I think this was a point that was addressed even in the Gospel of last week. You saw how the paralytic man was healed and by the Lord saying, your sins are forgiven. So it shows that spiritual healing is very important. Spiritual healing actually healed the physical healing as well. The second point that I want to make is that the church fathers say that this man, this man who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, he resembles the Gentiles. The Gentiles were people who were far away from God. The ones who could not see God. The ones who were blind. The, the Gentiles were the people that could not speak about God. They were mute. They don't know about anything about God. So they can't speak about God. They were mute. And how about they, they were living under the sway of the world and living a worldly life according to the worldly practice. Says being under the possession of the demons. And I think some of us also could be, unfortunately, have the same thing. Our eyes are sometimes blinded to the presence of God. Sometimes our mouth cannot speak about the glory of God. Sometimes we're living in the world without God. And the message that, the lesson that you can learn very quickly from today is that if you come to the Lord, He can cast out and heal this condition very quickly. He heals this condition very quickly. You know, many of our youth, they just came back from Africa, and 
they, they, when you ask them about what they had seen in Africa, they say, we saw the presence of the Lord. So what's the difference in Africa than here? He, in Africa, they sought the presence of the Lord. Here, we don't seek. That's the only difference. Here's the only difference. In Africa, everyone goes and prays and has prayer circles. Tabdu, the prayer circles here? Nothing. Why? If you saw God there because you prayed and asked and He revealed Himself to you, why don't we do the same thing here? Is not God, God is not the God of Africa. God is the God of the world, of the nations. God's presence is everywhere. The idea is that if you ask God for healing, He will heal instantly. As He healed this blind, this mute, and this uh, demon-possessed man. He heals instantly. In the Gospel, in the Vespers yesterday, we read this passage how many times during this time? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. And then it says if, the, if you ask for a bread, are you going to get a stone? Of course not. If you ask for the presence of God, guess what you will get? The presence of God. So, just to recap the quick two lessons. The first lesson is that the Lord is the true physician of our souls and the immediacy of God's response. The Lord healed someone who had no hope instantly. Instant healing. But what I really want to talk to you about today is another problem that was manifest in this gospel, and that's the problem of self-righteousness. The problem of self-righteousness. The problem of self-righteousness is very apparent in the gospel of today. The Pharisees in the gospel, they witness a great miracle. They witness an outstanding, remarkable miracle and a great act of righteousness. Yet, in complete denial of the truth, they casted judgment on the Lord and they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And due to their self-righteousness, the Pharisees called the source of goodness evil. And the evil they were doing, they considered good. Can you imagine? The evil that they were doing, they consider it good. And I think the one reason they were self-righteous is because the Pharisees felt justified in their own eyes, according to their own standards. That's why when the Lord rebuked the Pharisees, He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Means they had made for themselves their own standard of goodness. I think this is the one problem we face in society today. Everyone makes their own standard of goodness and says they are okay by their own standard. But they don't look at what God's standard is. What is God's standard? The Pharisees, they took one part of the law and they left the others undone. And the Lord said, Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. The self-righteous person swallows many camels without even noticing it. Their mouth is full of camels or a plank in their own eye and they can't see the plank in their own eye. 
And that's why the Christian does not aim to prove himself righteous. The Christian does not aim to prove himself righteous. Rather, the true Christian is the repentant one. Did you catch that? The true Christian is the repentant one. The true Christian is the one that is full of love and mercy. And this is the concept that's in the parable of the, of the tax collector and the Pharisee, or the Pharisee and the tax collector. Notice how this Pharisee, he suffered from self-righteousness. He had a big problem with self-righteousness. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, the extortioners, the adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So I, I must be good according to my own standard. But that's not what the Lord is pleased with. He said, look, there was a tax collector who standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The one thing is clear again, that Christian does not aim to prove himself righteous. Rather, the true Christian is the repentant one who acknowledges his weakness, the one who is full of love and mercy. A self-righteous person does not see anything wrong with himself and therefore he does not repent. There's a beautiful quote that C.S. Lewis says. He says, Only a bad person, only a bad person needs to repent. Only a good person can repent perfectly. The worse you are, the worse you are meaning in self-righteousness and in sin, the more you need it, the more you need repentance, and the less you can do it. The only person who could repent perfectly is a perfect person, and he would not need it. You know, I've been starting to go to the gym to shed a few pounds, and when I go to the gym, it's amazing. If I did like a distribution of the bicep size of the people at the gym, they're monstrous people. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? How did your bicep and your arms become that big? And their arms are so much bigger than everyone else. Like if we average the size of everyone's bicep, and then I took it to the gym and I measured, their bicep size would be much bigger. Why, what does that tell you? tells you the people who need to go to the gym the most, they don't go. The people who are at the gym the most, actually are the most fit. Same is true in the spiritual life and of all the virtues. The ones who repent, or who need repentance the most, actually, due to their self-righteousness, actually repent very, like, never. The ones who who are striving in their spiritual right, they repent frequently. They repent frequently. The ones who, who, who need fasting the most, don't fast. How come the ascetic fathers, the ones who have given their lives to God, who live in the deserts, how come they're the ones who give and fast beyond what it, like the body tolerates? It's because they're on their way to perfection. I'll read the quote. Only a bad person or a self-righteous person needs to repent. Only a good person can repent perfectly. 
The worse you are, the more you need it and the less you can do it. The only person who can do it perfectly would be a perfect person and he would not need it. Another issue with self-righteousness is that it leads to duplicity or living a double life. And this can be seen in the Pharisees. Because here they're claiming to be good and claiming to be the teachers. But as I mentioned before, they were using their own standard. And at the same time as they think they're doing good, they are actually evil. And this is living a double life. The willful doing of evil or not recognizing evil that you are doing while simultaneously portraying yourself to be good or righteous. This is the double life. And the double life actually leads to many problems. As the Lord said today, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Or every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? When we read this passage, we normally apply this to say, um, like a household and a father and a mother. And how can a father and a mother be divided against themselves? The house will fall. Or we say in the church, how can we have division in the church? It's not tolerated that a kingdom against, divided against itself cannot stand. But this verse should also be applied to the, to the self. To the self. Are you divided in yourself? Notice how the Lord says this. He says, if Satan casts out Satan. So he says, if he casts himself out, he is divided against himself. He is divided against himself. This is internal division. I think many of us are internally divided. There's internal conflict, internal instability. If we are internally conflicted, then the kingdom cannot stand. We have to be fully devoted, fully committed. The Lord says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one or love the other. That's why in the gospel of it today, it said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad. And it's because a tree is known by its fruit. A good tree cannot give off bad fruit. Last week we were with the middle schoolers and we were studying light and darkness. And we studied 1 John 1. And this is what 1 John 1 says. says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all because light casts out darkness. You can't have lightness, light, in the same place as there is darkness. They are mutually exclusive said, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And this is the biggest sign of the living of the double life is that we're in darkness and trying to be in light. And one of the ways we can see this I think is by our words. By our words. Not the words that we speak only. Those are just verbal words. But actually the words are 
in the mind and they're constantly playing and all the judgments and all the thoughts, those are what reveal to us who is our master. If our thoughts and our, and our words are always about judgment and cursing, then this is a house divided against itself. This is a house divided against itself. That's why we do the best to purify our thoughts and our mind. That's why we say purify our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our understandings. All of these things, so we don't live a double life. The Christian life, when I will say we have a big problem of cursing nowadays, if you don't know. Big problem of cursing. I will say the Christian does not curse. A curse is to, is to like, bring people down to, to inflict harm or punishment. The Christians do not know how to curse. The Christians know how to bless. The Christians know how to bless. Christians know how to bless. They're always about lifting people up, not about cursing things. That's why it's improper for a Christian to say curse words. Why are you cursing someone? You should be blessing them. You should be praying for them. You should be loving them. That's why the Lord said, brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, notice the duplicity in the lives of the Pharisees, you being evil, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Today I want us to, to think about ourselves, to think about our lives. If we are living lives duplicated, like double lives, or are we fully dedicated to the Lord? We need to ask the Lord to purify our thoughts, our consciences, to be pure people, to be pure people, to give ourselves to fasting, to Bible reading, and, the, and to repentance, because the perfect man is the, is the one who is striving in repentance. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.